Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. On the path to entrepreneurship, we all have ideas. We all have things that we go out and we set out to do and we put all of our energy and focus in there. But an interesting thing tends to happen in our businesses, and that is our, our prospects, our clients, our buyers actually need something else, or they ask us for something else, and it will lead to an entire line of business. And there's a really important distinction versus what is real and what do we think is real. And we're gonna learn a little bit about that today in our conversation, because today's guest not only has a great line of business that, that was doing well and doing great for his business and his employees, but a new line of business opened up as he was doing it and there was another income stream. So it's always important to be focused on what you're doing, but also keep your eyes open for what your clients are asking for because sometimes they're asking for something that you are great at, you can do, and they need that can be another business all in and of itself. And we're going to talk about that today. This is Adam Kipnis, host of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast, brought to you by C-Suite Radio. As always, we're going to talk about business lessons. We're going to talk about ideas. We're going to talk about marketing. And many of you may be looking for marketing, looking for marketing ideas. We're going to learn some from today's guest, but you can also get some in my book at freebookfromadam.com. So go and download that book today. And I'm really excited to have this conversation. It's Christmas Eve, early in the morning, but we're still doing the podcast because that's what we want to do here today. I'm talking to George McGarren live from New York. George, how are you today? Adam, terrific. It's great to catch up with you. So it's, uh, we've got a nice turn of weather here. It was usually, it's a little colder here in this area, but it's, uh, it's pretty nice outside. So no, I'm excited to talk to you today. That's awesome. Here in Phoenix, it's cold and rainy, which is not what we are used to at all. So <laughs> people will be slipping and sliding all over the highways here. Um, when, when we talked last week, you brought up an interesting point that we're going to dig into later, and that's how your business led to another business. But how did you get started originally? Like, what led you to say, all right, let me open up shop. Let me start a business for myself. Right. So most of my, most of my career and business ideas and just sort of, I guess, professional life has pretty much been mistakes turned into opportunity, right? So <laughs> uh, I, so I did sort of the typical, you know, I, I, and this is just, I think this is a problem with some of the educational system, but I, you know, I, I, I was trained, you need to go to school, you need to go to school get a degree, get a job, work for somebody else, and then, you know, sort of put money in your 401k and do all of these things, and then you'll have a great life, right? So I did that. Um, so, you know, I went to school, uh, you know, I studied finance, did some economics, got a, you know, got a, landed a, a, a sort of a gig in, uh, in a big four consulting firm in New York City. You know, they, um, they say, George, great, you know, listen, there's an opportunity in Paris, you can go to Paris for a year. So I was in Paris. Come back, and uh, you know I was sort of just doing the nine to five, and it really, well, it really wasn't really nine to five. It was like a, it was like a seven a.m. to about you know ten o'clock at night thing. Not getting paid very well. Super tired. I get a call from a, a recruiter in Miami, and he and he says, George, by the way, there's an amazing opportunity. This was a Thursday. It's and this is January, by the way, um, in in two thousand. He's like, there's there's uh, there's an amazing opportunity. It's for a consulting firm, kind of just what you're doing but it's with a German company. Can you come down tomorrow? So I, you know, so I'm like, all right, this is cool. 
I go down, I go the next day, they offer me a job and they say, there's one, there's one catch, right? The catch is you need to start here Monday, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I'm thinking, and I don't know if you've ever been in Miami in, in January, but compared to New York, like it's pretty attractive, right? Like you're like, okay, <laughs> I bet, I bet. This is, a, this is a cool thing. So back in the day, you know, you're not worried about burning bridges. You're not worried about anything really important. You're just like, okay, let me do this. So, you know, things were great. I get at a little apartment overlooking the, the, uh, the ocean in coconut, you know, in, in coconut Grove, which is like a cool part of Miami. You know, everything's great. I got furniture, everything's, you know, on credit. Right. And it's, 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 uh, so three months go by, I walk in, literally, I see everyone's faces. They're, 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 they're just, everyone's like, just really sad. And I'm like, what's going on here? They're like, no, Germany, right? Germany decided to like shut down the Miami office. We're out of, well, all out of a job, you know? I'm thinking, this is not good, right? So that's, that was like, that was my first, I think that was like the first piece of reality where I thought I was young enough, but I was like, I'm really, you know, I've got a problem here. So, uh, I mean, what do you do, right? So I was like, all right, I'll go to the, I'll look for a job. I'll go to the unemployment, you know, line in, in Miami. And I'm sitting there with all, all these other folks that are unemployed. And I'm thinking, man, I've done everything correct in my life that you're supposed to do. And I'm still here, right? Like this is, I, I've done literally everything by the book, right? I've went to great schools. I've worked at great companies. Um, and it's just, and I'm still here. And that's when I thought I'm never, ever going to ever work for somebody else again, ever, right? If I'm going to fail... I'd rather be unemployed by myself, you know, rather than somebody in Germany saying, let's shut down the office. So, you know, looking through, looking for a job, I talked to a recruiter guy, you know, he interviews me, he was well-dressed and I thought I could do what this guy does. And I convinced him <laughs> to hire me uh, with zero skill set to sort of in terms of the, in terms of the role. And, and that's literally, I literally walked into the career that I still have today, right? Almost 20 years later, you know, I run an executive uh, headhunting firm and, uh, that that was sort of it. I mean, I literally went from New York City to Miami to jobless, right? To lots of debt, to kind of desperation, and I and I walked into my own career, right? So that's that's. I mean, it's a long story, but that's literally how I fell into recruiting. So it was a total mistake, unplanned, and uh, I think I made the best of it. So, well, well, certainly since you're still doing it 20 years later, obviously you made the right choice. But what were your you know family and friends saying to you? Were they like, you're crazy? How, how did that all work when you said, hey, mom and dad, I'm, I'm starting my own thing? Because I'm sure they were probably calling you every five minutes wondering if you've gotten a job yet. Well, this is exactly right. And, this is, and, this is, and they, they do this not because they're, they want you to do poorly. They do it because they think they're trying to protect you. But I come from a family where, you know, very safe. My dad had the same job for 40 years. My mom had the same job for 25 years, right? Where if, you know, if they tell you, that they, I mean, they're, I would say that sort of they follow the system really well. And the idea of being an entrepreneur is just silly, right? It doesn't make sense. Why would you want that kind of risk uh, when someone somebody can pay you, you know, every day and you can get a sort of a, a steady paycheck? Um, they were totally against the idea. They saw me literally going in debt. They saw me, you know, stressed out. They, they just saw me working very hard for, for very little. And the, I think the easy thing was just to go, you know, I can go back home, figure it out and, uh, and do that. I think my, my pride got in the way. I was just, I just refused to, I mean, I was old enough that I just refused to, to go back and, and, and take any help. Right. So it's, uh, it was more, I don't know. I just got to a point where I thought it's either who, who wins this contest, right? Like time or, or, or me. And, uh, you know, I remember just thinking when I was going to bed at nighttime, like every, you know, every day I was sort of, this is when I started the business. Um, every time, I was sort of poor, you know, I was just one day closer of not being poor, you know, so that was like, 
that was the only thing that kind of kept me in line. The, um, the confirmation that I had was, I remember one day on a weekend, I was playing, I was still in Miami, I was playing basketball with a bunch of these guys um, in this amazing area, like literally overlooking, you know, the, the ocean. And they all, you know, I would drive up my little Honda Civic and they all drove up in their awesome, like, you know, Ferraris and BMWs and Mercedes. And uh, the common denominator was they all had their own business, you know, and they, one day they're like, hey, George, can you, can you come, uh, you know, can you come play basketball on Tuesday morning at like 10 o'clock in the morning, you know? And I was, I was, at the time I was starting my business, but I thought that was the sort of the most, you know, the silliest question somebody could ask you because I was thinking, no, I'm, I'm, I have to work on Tuesday. Like, how can I actually go on a Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning and play hoops? Like, it's impossible, right? Right. And uh, later, I mean, it's taken me a while to think that, but I think one of the benefits of having your own business and setting up systems and processes and hiring great people and delegating tasks is that you now get to control your own time, right? So um, I'm now at this, I'm now at this in a situation where, and, and I don't know if we had spoken about this on the, when we first spoke on the phone, but my schedule pretty much now is I do, you know, I do a lot of exercise in the morning. I come to the office, I work, I work from about, you know, I don't know, eight o'clock to about 11 to 30. And that's kind of my day now, right? I work about three or four hours a day now. Um, that was on this sort of unfathomable, you know, 20 years ago, right? But when, when this guy said, hey, do you want to play hoops on, this, on a Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning? So it just kind of, that was sort of the second thing that confirmed it, right? It was the unemployment office and then these guys, you know, with, with Ferraris. <laughs> you know, one guy was like exporting bananas. Another guy had like an IT company. I was just like these random companies, but the common denominator was they, they all had their own business. And I, I don't know if they, you know, I don't know if they're still doing well, but that was the impression that I had, right? Back in the day. Um, so, you know, but it's in general, the, the, the public, right, will tell you in entrepreneurism, it's just like now it's a little now it's sort of sexier than it was back then. But it's uh, most people are against it. They just don't see the reality, you know, sort of the, the rhyme and reason to it. Right. So it's uh, I don't know. You know, you have to be you have to be prepared to, to give up a lot for, for sort of a longer game, you know, and that's how I've always seen it. So. And that's definitely what you've done. And one of the things in talking to, especially new entrepreneurs, is they get caught up in the starting the business and they sort of lose focus on the, what it is they need to do. And so they go out and they get a website and this is probably pre-website days when, when you really started. And, and, it's, and it's, you know, they get their business cards and they get their website and they get their logo and they do all of these activities that say they're a business owner, but they don't focus on the business. When did you realize that I'm in this business to work, right? Because in the recruiting space, it's one client at a time. And so you get your first client and then you gotta go find them a job. How did, how did you translate the work that needed to be done with the starting the business? How did that all come together for you? Right, so it's a great question. So you're bringing up the point of, and there's a book called the, I think it's called the E-Myth Revisited, right? Where he talks about, it might, I might be mixing the books, but it talks about you know running a business versus busyness, right? Yep. And, and you bring up that great point. So it's like the, the reality is like no one cares what the name of your company is, right? It could be, my company's called the McGarren Group. It could be easily called, I don't know, Recruiting Associates. It could be called executive, you know, executivetalent.com. No one really cares, right? Like the brand, the, the name initially doesn't matter. Um, you have to, I think you have to focus on, you have to focus on the clients and the customer experience, right? Like that's what they care about. And you know, people buy people and, and, this, the, and they also buy sort of reliability, right? So I think that was, it took me, um, 
I don't know, maybe it took me about, it took me a couple of months and maybe about nine months to realize, like I was worried about making money. Once I realized, okay, I could actually make a difference in, in folks' lives and, and worried about the customer, which is sometimes was the, was the company organization, sometimes it was the candidate, you know, things got a little easier, right? So the, um, the, the biggest, one of the, I can tell you right now, one of the biggest things that, and I, and I just received a call from somebody three weeks ago um, and, he, and he called me, he said, George, thank, I want to thank you. 19 years ago, you got me a job at DHL uh, and the, I needed the job. My kid was going to college and, and I'm, I just wanted to let you know, I just literally retired there from, you know, from, from DHL today. And it was because you got me that job. He was a guy that he was, he was so desperate. Um, I remember going to his house and painting his house with him, right? Like he was, he was telling me like, Hey, my kids aren't going to go to school. We might lose our house. And I somehow, you know, through the grace of God, I found him a job. He stayed there 19 years later. Right. So there's, uh, he was like one of the, he was one of the first people I ever helped out, but that's when I realized, okay, this is like, what I'm doing is real, right? It's not about just a commission. It's I'm affecting real people. So no matter what you sell or what you provide, if it's a, if it's a website service, it's a podcast, if it's, if it's even like a brick and mortar, you know, you have to really think like whatever you do affects real people, right? Sometimes positively, sometimes negatively. So uh, that's kind of the, I don't know, you know, it, it's like, I think entrepreneurs are worried about the money, worry about the customer first, worry about their experience, worry about their problem, and, and the money eventually shows up. So that's been my, that's sort of like the number one lesson that I've learned in business in 20 years, right? So. I love that because one, one of the things when I'm working with, with my clients, and I do a lot of strategic planning, I'm trying to get companies to be really focused on knowing exactly what they need to do when they wake up in the morning every day. And, and the biggest piece of it is what keeps your prospect up at night. If you know what keeps your prospect up at night, now you can answer their problem and you can think like they think. And that's what you just brought up is that it, it's real for, for people that don't have a job and they don't even probably know where to go and you do know where they should go. And so when doing that, how did that translate into future success for your business? Because once you learn that about your prospects, it probably made it easier to find your prospects, right? No, exactly. They, they start referring their friends and, and they start, and then you're also... You know, I think I think one of the one of the things that also took me a long time to learn. I mean, unfortunately, you know, folks think that the word sales is is a dirty word, right? And if you're not selling your product, if you're not able to, to actually get to a lot of people, or just you know, you're never you're ne you'll never be able to to help others, right? So it's it's you know, once I was able to understand, okay, I'm actually helping somebody. It's it's much easier to ask that person. Number one for business. Number two, if they have any friends that need some help. Number three you know, just really any random question you can think of. Um, but that, that's, it just, it lets you appreciate kind of who you are. And, and I don't, I, you know, this is a weird thing, but in some way I was sort of ashamed of what I, what I was doing for a living, right? Like it was a weird, this is initially, you know, this is going, when I first started, it was, it was a, you know, it was, it was kind of an, it was an odd thing. Like I was, I was uncomfortable with selling, you know? And, uh, and now I think, you know, if, if without sales, you can't really promote, you know, you're not going to, you won't be able to help anyone. And, uh, you know, sales drives that. So to me, sales is a sort of a, is a customer mover. It's not a sort of economic, you know, economic mover. Right. So that's, that's when I, when that, when that kind of paradigm changed, that's when, you know, business got really good for us. So. That's cool. And, and when, when, when George and I first talked, we, we were talking about the podcast and scheduling it and doing all things. And he used one of the best sales techniques 
in closing me to get this done. Many times we wait for the other person to make the decision for us. And as salespeople, and we're all salespeople, we say, well, does this sound good to you? And the person may say yes, but someone needs to finalize, whether it's the contract or finalize the time or finalize the next step going forward. And George said, well, do you have your calendar? Let's just put it on the calendar right now. So I wanted to book him as a guest because I loved the story and I loved what he was doing. But he said, all right, let's put it on the calendar right now. One thing we tend to not do in our businesses is tell people exactly what they want us to tell them, which is the time, which is the price, which is the next step. And you did it. Now it's natural for you. Did you ever find a time where it became natural? Because it's a struggle for a lot of new businesses, especially to know when the right time is to ask for what it is that you want. You do it instinctively now. Do you know when that happened or did it just happen? You woke up one day and you're like, oh, I'm really good at this. Right. So, and I, and I, and I appreciate the compliment. And uh, that's, I think that's more of a trained thing of being able to just make sure that you, you know, make sure you get, not that, not that you get the next appointment, but you know, listen, it was a, it was a real, I was excited after speaking with you and I wanted to make sure that I made this, you know, I made this happen. You made this happen. So I was kind of like, let's, you know, you have your calendar in front of you. Most people will say yes to that. And then we booked it. Right. But it's, it's, I, w- I would say uh, in terms of, you know, it, when was the moment when I kind of learned to, 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 to do this? It's, I'm still not, con- I, not that I'm still, I still have to consciously tell myself, you know, to do it sometimes, but it, it's, you know, you're the, the quicker, the quicker you can fail at something, the better it is. Right. So this, this is either, you know, either with a customer experience or with a new prospect, I, I I'd rather take, I'd rather take a quick, a quick no, you know, than a very long no. So <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just, it's just the way, you know, so this, this actually brings up another topic and I was going to talk about this today in terms of business. And this is why, you know, if you're, if you're a sole entrepreneur, this is why you need to hire folks and, and just do what you can, but to, to get people on your team, to me, business is a, it's, it's a math problem, you know, and it's more about multiplication than just, than just sort of adding things up. Right. So if you can, you know, multiply, multiply the times in a day that somebody says no to you, um, you know, statistically, you'll get, you'll get a lot of yeses as well, but it's, you know, you, you need to be able to understand sort of that you have a math problem, right? So the longer, the longer something takes for somebody to say no, the less deals you'll do in a year, right? No matter what you're, if you're selling ice cream or if you're selling, you know, sort of, um, you know, you're selling t-shirts or you, you, you know, you name it. I was, uh, by the way, I was, I, I, you, you and I were talking about, you know, I've been on a bunch of podcasts and usually I do them for my phone, right? So today, you know, I'm using, I'm using a, uh, like a podcast microphone, right? I, w- I walked into, uh, I walked into Best Buy and I was literally there for about 35 minutes and no one came up to me and said, Hey, sir, can, you know, is there anything I can help you with? Right. And I just thought, man, like that was 35 minutes that I had. I, c- I could have walked out and just bought something on Amazon. Right. And, uh, you know, I think as a, as a, from a customer experience, you want your customers, your prospects to say no very, very quickly. Right. And then you just move on to the next one. I mean, it's just like your product will not be, will not be great for everyone. Right. You just need to find your niche product and, you know, find your client who buys from you, who doesn't, but just make, you know, make mistakes very, very quickly. And I think that's one of the things we try to do. Right. We try to error very quickly and get a yes. Um, you know, if you can get a yes, great. But if you, if you, you know, I'd rather have a no very quickly than a, than a, you know, than a super long six month, you know, drawn out process. So. 
That's, that's kind of the reason of scheduling, right? The other thing is if, if, you, if you try to schedule somebody for the next appointment, let's say, or even the next meeting, if, if they tell you they don't have time, it, it shows their cards, right? You're able to then know, almost like a litmus test, are they really serious and should I dedicate my time to them or should I move on to the next, next prospect? So that's, another, that's the other reason behind scheduling things on the phone. So you kind of get, the, you get a very quick yes or no from your customer or your, pro, your prospect. You know, um, and I don't know, it, it lets you rate them a little quicker, right? So at least you know where you're at, you know? So if they balk, you can kind of figure out, okay, well, why, why does this guy not want to set up a, a meeting with me? Did I, is there anything I didn't address? So. I, I, I love that because so often we we fall in love with prospects and we will chase that prospect for months because we think that we've got the solution for them and they obviously need to hire us. But in many cases, people are non-confrontational and they'll drag it out and drag it out and drag it out. And so I love the fact that you brought up that the, that quick no is better than a long no, right? It's, it's, it's fascinating in just a study of human behavior uh, on how that works. And it, it, have you found that if you walk away from the table, so they say, oh, I'm too busy to schedule, and you're like, all right, that's fine, call me when you're ready. Sometimes that, you know, it's called takeaway selling. If you take the opportunity away from them, sometimes they all, they step to and they're like, no, 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 let's do this now, right? Sometimes you get a yes by walking away because you've got a quick no, right? Right. So, and, and I've, I've, you know, I've, I've done the takeaway, if you want to call it the takeaway close, you know, a lot. Um, but I, th I think the, 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 you know, if they're, if you, you know, if it's really not that sometimes it's not the right time for them, right. Either financially or just, you know, sort of scheduling wise, or, or they're just maybe what they, maybe they just want, they'd like to do their due diligence. Right. But the, the, the follow up question is, you know, did I, and this is just a very direct question. And this, some people might have a hard time asking this, but I, I always ask, you know, based on, based on our conversation today, did I, was there anything that I didn't address or there, do you have any doubts, concerns, or, or, or sort of reasons, you know, why you would decide not to work with me or my team, or if, if, you know, if hopefully I can answer some of those questions and you'd, you'd be surprised what people would say. They'd say, well, you know, right now it's a money thing. And I was expecting that the price would be a little less, or you can then find out kind of what's going on. The, um, you know, I, I also, um, we're, we're big, we're big. Uh, I think this is one of the number one things that entrepreneurs and just business people don't do, which we do really, really well is we're excellent at follow-up, right? Like we have a follow-up machine, right? In terms of um, we, we literally track how many times and we have a process. We track how many times um, we had a follow-up with somebody before the close and we have statistics and KPIs on this, on this, but we're, it's for high ticket items, you know, it, it, it need, you need to, and then I think the statistics are 12, 12 contacts, but that could be a text message, an email, a call, but, um, you know, we're big on the follow-up. So sometimes, sometimes that person saying, I'm not ready now, maybe, you know, you just have to, you know, just go through the follow-up process. Right. But it, it's a question also is, listen, you know, you're not ready now. Does it make sense for me to reach out to you in a month? Can I call you in a month? Is it, are you, are you cool with that? And they'll say, ah, well, maybe six months is better. Right. And then, then, you know, you know, so, it's, it's, um, some people are just not the right customers for you as well. And you need to be able to walk away from that too. Right. Some people don't want to pay the price that you're offering. And, uh, you know, you have to be careful. We're, we're at the point now where we get the, we've, we fired our clients, right. Which is a blessing. Um, so we get to work with people that, that we want to work with and they want to work with us. So it's, it's more about, it's more about the fit than the price, you know, for them. So, which is great. It's, it's a true blessing as a business owner. 
that's an amazing place to be. And, and, and you had told me when we were talking on the phone earlier that you were, you were doing your executive recruiting, you were finding people uh, long-term jobs, but a, a new business sort of appeared and a new need appeared in your client base. And you said, enough people have asked me this that I, I really should think about it. Tell us a little bit about that process. Right. So, so the, so for close to 20 years now, I've had, I've run an executive recruiting firm, right? So we do, you know, C-level placement, right? So that's been the bread and butter. We've got clients that are all over the place in terms of industry, geography, revenue. Um, for, for pretty much that time, folks have always said, Hey George, like I need a resume or do you know somebody that can write a resume? Um, or I might be speaking at a conference. There's this thing like a biography. It, and then LinkedIn shows up like 10 years ago. LinkedIn is a little older, but there's a thing called LinkedIn. What do you, what do you think about it? Um, but about 10 years ago, I decided to, to when they would ask me if, if I knew anybody that could write a resume um, to say, yeah, I mean, I can, I can do it for you, right? So the first person I did it for, he was a CEO. Um, I did it for him for free, right? I did his resume. You know, I took over his LinkedIn, his biography. He ends up at another company as a CEO. And then he called me and he said, George, by the way, like, I'm, you know, I got this great job. I'm about to fire like six people. <laughs> we need to do a search. Do you, do you want the search? Right? So I thought, okay, this is, that's, that was the, that was another business sort of mistake turned into a business model. But I, I literally, and then, then he referred his friend and it's another friend. And I, and I mean, now we work with between, I don't know, 25 to 30 executives a month. Right. And the price range, you know, we're talking about a product of about, depends on the service, but it's between you know, $2,000 to $3,000 a person, right? Just to take care of their executive profiles. And uh, that was just because I decided to say yes to things, right? So it's, it's um, if somebody asks you the same thing over and over and over and over, you, you know, I would, I, would, I would reckon say yes once, see what the experience is and, uh, and, and, and take it from there. The interesting thing about that business though is that even with the executive branding, a lot of the new people we work with now turn into recruiting clients. So it brings in like a different revenue stream, right? So we, we compete with, on the recruiting side, very large players. And uh, the, I think, you know, a 30 person team is not able to compete with like Corn Ferry, Spencer Stewart, Hydric and Struggles uh, on the marketing dollars, but we can definitely compete with them in, you know, in terms of influence. And that's how we do it. We do it with the branding business. So it's, it's kind of an interesting thing. It's also great for cash flow, right? So, <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's a cool thing. But I, the, the, the one mistake I made, by the way, Adam, was they would ask me this question. And, and to me, I thought writing a resume is not sexy, right? Like I'm doing this cool executive recruiting stuff, you know, like I'm helping all these executives, right? And why would I, why, why, why would I want to write a resume? You know, it makes no sense for me. And uh, I didn't see the bigger picture. You know, the bigger picture was the relationship. It wasn't the transaction. And you know, now, now that's now this, the branding business, we're, we're actually getting into a coaching business as well that we're about to start for 2020. It, and it's the same thing, right? These guys are asking out for coaching. So we're going to give them coaching, you know, because it's, it's, they're looking for people to solve their problem. Right. And I've been doing it for 20 years. So, you know, it's no different than, than my day job. So it's been, it's been a great thing. Um, you know, but just, you need to learn how to say yes. And, uh, you know, I think it's been a cool thing. There was a, by the way, there was a, there was a digress here. There was a movie, I think the Jim Carrey movie where he says yes to everything. I don't know if you've seen that movie where he learns Korean and he saves somebody from a fire. And did you, did you see that movie? I or, did. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I don't remember the name of it, but I, I did see it. So it's kind of, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think getting out of your comfort zone is a cool, cool thing, right? Like you need to do things that are out of your comfort zone and you'd be surprised how quickly you grow. Um, and it's just, you know, it's an amazing thing. So 
it's it's a great question. So I know it went on. I went very long on that. <laughs> no, 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 it's great. That that that's the fun of this, right? Because the conversation takes takes it in totally different directions. But one thing that I think is really interesting about your business, and a lot of people have this same this same benefit slash challenge, is you have two sets of clients, right? You've got the recruiter, the the recruitee, the executive that you're looking to place, but you also have businesses that are looking for someone. So you need to divide your brain power, divide your time, divide your team to these two sets of clients. How do you, how do you serve them both well? Right, and you, and you and your business as well. You have the same, you have the same issue, right? Where you've got, you know, there's 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 and there's there's a lot of people involved. Um, I, I think you have to be, you know, I think you have to be very mindful of 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 each person's situation, right? In terms of what what is the what is this. So what, is, what does the candidate need to get out of this? And what does the organization need to get out of this? But I think the easiest, I mean, the easiest thing to do, quite frankly, is just, is just to be honest with folks so they know where they stand. And people appreciate an honest, and so, listen, sometimes the truth is not, it's not really the, the, the great answer, but they, they appreciate that. And uh, we've been, you know, we're very, very honest with our clients. Sometimes we have, sometimes we have candidates that just don't want to, they, they, they just not, they go through the interview process and they're just not excited about, they're just not excited about the client. Right. And it's not, it, it's, it's because of a different, you know, it could be a lot of different reasons. And you just need to tell your client that no matter how big they are, um, that listen, that, you know, these three, these two or three candidates, they just, they don't, they don't think it's a cool fit for them, you know, and, uh, and vice versa, right. With the, with the organizations. So I think just being honest with the clients dealing with, dealing with sort of, you know, problems and, and situations very, very quickly instead of letting them, you know, go on and on and on. That also saves you a lot of headache later on, right? In terms of communication and, and uh, you know, I think if you can, you know, it's, it's kind of like do the dishes now versus like let them pile up and pile up, pile up, and then it becomes a disaster, you know, the kitchen. So it's, uh, I think we, we deal with problems very, very quickly. That's one of, I think, one of our strong points, right? In terms of no matter what, either on the, on the candidate side or, on, on the, uh, on the client side and, uh, on the, on the candidate side, I can tell you, I've been in situations where, you know, folks have passed away, like their parents have died. Um, kids got sick, you know, like real life, you know what I mean? Like hardcore situations where you have to be very empathetic to, to their story, you know, even though, even though maybe on your, on your side, you might, you know, it might be financially might be a problem for you. Right. So, um, I don't know. It's a, you have to, I think you have to be honest with your clients. Here's a real life situation. But four months ago, we had a client of ours, awesome company, but they're starting out, they're, they're, they're buying a bunch of, I'm not going to mention the industry, but they're buying a bunch of retail, retail sort of businesses nationally. Their, their benefits are not terrific. And I had somebody that was offered a job. She decided to accept it. She gets the benefit package and it was, it was a disaster. Like it wasn't a good deal for her. And she literally said, George, if you were me, what would you do? Would you take this job or would you not? And I told her I wouldn't, you know, and, uh, you know, that was a $40,000 commission check for, for myself and my team, you know, so you have to, you have to morally, you know, you get morally tested, but you have to make sure you tell people the truth. And that at the end of the day, that gives you a longer career, you know, just to run a, a very clean business. Uh, oh, I bet. And you probably had to have a, a real conversation, not only with the candidate, but with the company and explain to them why you couldn't fill that job. Right. Exactly. And, and, and the company, you know, they, they understood, um, they, and this is the interesting thing because they, because they understood and they, they knew that we had did, we had done the work. We still, we actually still got paid 
almost almost 100% of that fee, and uh, which is kind of unheard of, right? But it also shows you the relationship that we have with the client, with the organization, that they appreciated our professionalism, and uh, you know, which is like it's unheard of for that to happen. But they accepted to to pay our you know most of our fee. Um, because we had done the work, right? It was sort of a, it was sort of like a loophole on their side that, that the person wasn't able to start. But you, I, I really believe this. I think like karma, you know, like you have to do, you have to do well by your client because everything comes around and, and you'll see later on, you know, sometimes you'll get these very easy sales that come in that just come out of nowhere. It's almost like you were printing, you know, sort of money. But I think that's just a lifetime of karma, you know, in terms of not, not quite frankly, you know, not screwing people. And, uh, you know, doing well by, by, by folks. So that's the, like our thing is like sleep well at night, you know, mm -hmm. make sure that you, you know, run a clean show and the rest kind of takes care of itself a lot of the times. Right. And, and hustle, right? Like make sure you show up every day and hustle. I mean, this is today, right? You made a good point. Today's December 24th. A lot of people are not working today and you and I are, are kind of grinding it out, right? Like we're, we're doing stuff. So it's, um, you know, you have to, you have to show up every day as well. Yeah, because even though it is a holiday or the day before a holiday, I guess a lot of people take it off. But if you're not there for the ones that don't, then what are you there for at all? Exactly, exactly. And my, my experience has been like the ones that are doing, the ones that do well are the one like those folks are working right now, right? The um, like to me, a Tuesday is the same as a Sunday or, or, or a Wednesday. Um, and I, I personally, I don't need like I don't need, you know maybe it's some president's birthday. Like I don't need that birthday. I don't need that day off. You know, like it's <laughs> like I can, I'm also able to control my own time, but I think, you know, there, there, there comes a point where like to me, you and I are talking, this is, this to me is not at all. This is, you know, it's not work, right? Like I'm having, a, this is to me, it's like playing and fun. It's like being a five-year-old again. Right. So it's, uh, you know, but I think you have to show up like being present is literally, you know, 60% of it, you know? So it's, it's a, it's a big deal. Um, but you know, it's, you just have to create your own, your own schedule in terms of what you see as important and what's not important. So. I, I would agree. And, and it, it drives my wife crazy, but I tend to fix situations in the moment. So if it's at seven 30 at night and I get a, an email, a call, a text from a client, my wife will say it's seven o'clock at night. It's eight o'clock at night. Why are you doing that? And I always tell her, I was like, well, I can do this now for five minutes or I can do it tomorrow for an hour. Because if you, if someone asks a question and you can answer it in the moment versus them having to recreate it tomorrow saves both of us time. And they know I just took care of them. So if I do say no in the future, they understand because I took care of them when they needed it in your business. Obviously when you're, when you're talking to a company that needs to hire someone, they have a need within their business. It's usually not a desire. It's a need when you're finding someone a job, a lot of times it's a need. So, you know, how do you differentiate the need versus desire in both your clients and your candidates and how you're going to serve them? Right. So you have to, I think you have, you also have to set expectations in terms of, for example, response time. Um, but it, it's the, most of the, most of them, I guess the miscommunication that goes on between, and, and I would say this just relates to really anything, you know, where there, there are people involved it, is, it, it comes down to like folks don't understand that I guess some of the guidelines or some of the timing, right? So I think if you, if, and there's, there's, there's some of these deals that we work or they go on for six months. Um, the, I think the idea is to constantly communicate, 
right? The timing or the timing issues with, with everyone involved, right? So that they know, okay, this is kind of what kind of, what can I, what I can expect. The problem, the problem, the problem that happens sometimes is, you know, when you tell somebody, okay, so I'll have a response in about two weeks and then two weeks go by and you kind of go radio silent on them. That's, that's where, you know, sometimes we get into trouble. Um, but you know, we work, that's one of those things where you just get, you try to work on that and make sure that doesn't happen. So I think communication is the number one, the number one thing. Um, and, and like you said, like you take care of things right away, you know, me being on the receiving end of that, I see that and I say, okay, this guy, Adam, like he's really, he's on the ball. It's obviously eight o'clock at night for him, right? It's Friday night. He's responding to me. You know, people pick up on that, right? Like that whole customer, they, 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 they see that and, um, they might not, not, they might not tell you that, but they, they definitely see that and they, they appreciate it. And they know that Adam is looking out, you know, Adam's looking out for them. Right. So it's a huge thing. You know, it, it's, um, like the, the nine to five mentality does not work with somebody that runs a business. It just doesn't. Right. So it's, it's, you know, my, you know, the, we, by the way, as a, as a, um, a recruiting sort of rule, if we reach out to a candidate and we say, can we do, Hey, can we do a call on a Saturday? Like just to touch base. And they say, well, I don't, you know, I don't do calls on Saturdays. You know, I don't work weekends. We just, quite frankly, we just, we just, uh, we cross them off the list as somebody that's a valid candidate. Right. So, um, you know, it's not, not that we want them to work on a weekend, but it's the mentality. It's the mindset, right. Of, you know, this is a big, this is probably, it's probably going to be like a 300, hour job for them. Could be a million dollars and they're, they're not going to take the time to, to talk to us on the weekend. You know, they're probably not the right fit for our client, you know, so. It's, um, you know, that's, that's, that's what this country is built on, right? It was built on, you know, sort of going after it quicker than, than the other one, right? And showing up, so. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a really interesting point because it's not about working 24-7, but it's about making yourself available for what, what your client or what your employer or what your people need. And it leads me to, to another question as, as we get close to wrapping up here. You have built a team around you that thinks like you, that understands what it is you do for your clients. And that's not easy to do, right? Because not everyone thinks like you think and to have the right employee that thinks like you think is, is critical to allowing you the business that you want, the service that you want and the lifestyle that you want. <clears throat> How do you go about finding out if a candidate is right for you. Right. So, so in terms of, your, your, I guess your question is based on how do, how, do, how do we find somebody on our team internally to make sure they fit right, right. They're the right fit for us. Right. That's your question. Right. Okay. So I think there's a couple of things. I think in my case, um, I'm very good at sort of, the, the, I think there's, you know, as a skill set, um, sort of, you know, in terms of the, I'm, I'm very strong at sort of the idea. I'm, you know, I'm the idea guy. Uh, I'm not, I'm not great at executing on those ideas sometimes. So I try, I try to hire people that fit, you know, in the way I don't work. And I try to hire people that are integrated in integrators, right? So folks that do things. So um, this is a great example, by the way, for example, we, you know, we've got a lot of clients and, you know, I just, I'm, I, I feel blessed that they, they work with me one-on-one sometimes. And I, I used to send, I would send them sort of a thank you note. And I sent about, you know, this is about last year. I sent about 10 thank you notes. And then I had this box of thank you notes in my office and uh you know it's it, it's just they, they the cards never got sent out right so the idea was terrific the the execution was terrible and then i just you know i gave that to my team right i told them here's the message here's what you need to write and and then you know i let other folks do that for me 
So I think you need to hire people that are the opposite of what you bring to the table, right? So I'm not a great integrator. I'm, 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 you know, I'm not great at executing, which sounds funny for a guy that runs a business. Um, I'm sort of, you know, more of the, the idea guy. Um, so I, you know, I hire a lot of people that can implement, right? Implement my ideas for me that just work differently. That's number one. Number two is the, I think it's important to have a lot of my people train my other folks, right? So I've got it's sort of like this constant, you know, cross training that we, everybody in our organization pretty much can do most of the other things that the other folks do, right? So it's a big, big deal. Like you need to cross train people. Um, and you know, some, some, a lot of my ideas, right, are wrong, right? So you also need to be accepting that, that if, you know, everything that George says is not, is not true, you know, you need to be realistic and see that other ideas work as well, you know? So I'm, I'm pretty accepting of those things as well. I mean, I've got, we've, we've had so many ideas that have worked that I was against and, and they've been, you know, some of the, some of the best ideas, right? So, and you see that in other organizations as well, you know, like Google, I think email was, you know, was in a lot of these ideas, right? were founded by other people. Um, so you need to, I think you need to let your team kind of run their own show to some extent, right? And that, that together forms a cohesiveness as a team, so. I, lo I love that. And last question for me as we wrap up, you, you told me you, you don't have a computer, you don't do email, you do everything by your phone, which in today's world, obviously, the technology on our phone is fantastic, but, but how did that come about? Like, how were you able to wean yourself off of the time wasters that having a computer in front of you at all times brings. Right, so, so I, I mean, I do, I do have a computer, I use it, you know, sparingly, right? Like, you know, for basic things, but if I use it, you know, a couple hours a month, that's a lot, but from a work sort of, you know, I guess a, a work standpoint, I just use the phone. Um, I, you know, I, I mean, quite frankly, I had a meeting with a, with a business coach, and by the way, if you're, if you're an entrepreneur and you have time, I think if you wanna fast track things, you know, hire people, or try to get some sort of coach that can solve some of your problems. It, it helps you and lets you fast track things. Um, but we were having a conversation and he said, George, like let's, I was working a ton of hours. He said, George, let's beta test this. Like, don't use your computer for a month to see what happens. You know, like, what are you, what are you really good at? And uh, you know, I didn't use it for a month. This is years ago. And uh, one month became two months and two months became three. And so it, it's, I'm a big fan of the 80, 80, 20 rule. I don't know if you know the Pareto principle. I don't know if you've yeah. read about oh, that. Yeah. So you'd be surprised like the first, the first day you, and I would, I would, I would, uh, I would welcome a lot of your listeners to think about this, try to go to work, you know, try to go to work for a week, just try to work one week without your computer. The, the, the first day you show up, like you have this, <laughs> like you're by yourself, you know, there's no computer in front of you, you have a notebook and your phone, and then you think pretty much like, I don't know what to do right now, right? You're lost, right? So what happens? Like you're not checking CNN, you're not checking Fox News, you're not checking, um, you know, you're not on social media sites. You literally have to work, you know, in the same way that our, you know, that let's say folks worked 50 years ago. Um, and then you're like, okay, I need, to, I, need to, I need to fill in some of the time today. Like what problems do I really need to solve? And you start writing it down and you'd be surprised, you know, you'd be surprised how quickly, um, you know, how quickly you can adjust. But things that need to get done, right? You can just tell your team, you can call your team, you can text your team and say, listen, I need a report, get me a, get me a PDF file, text it to me. So there's, you know, I still use technology, right? I'm still using everything else. I'm just not, I'm just not using a computer to do it. Um, the second thing is email, which is a huge time waster. You know, I have, um, I have, I've responded to very few emails, but my team takes care of all of my emails, right? Like even you and I going back and forth, Adam, like all of that email, you know, some of the, just to set things up, 
you know, it, it's you had dealt with somebody on my team, right, to set these things up. So I'm, I'm not a big fan of email, quite frankly, you know, but if we get an important email, my team will send me a quick text, George, this is the email we got, you know, what should I do? I'll tell them and then, you know, they'll sort of paraphrase it and, and they'll write their own version of my email, right? So that's how we deal with email as well. But, uh, and we get a lot of emails today, like, I mean, a lot, right? So we've got 30 people on the team. You can imagine how many emails we get uh, with a different, different, line, different lines of business. So the, the, the computer, the laptop is, is a blessing, but it's also a time killer, you know? And if you can really figure out how not to use one, man, you've just saved yourself probably six, seven hours a day. Wow, I love that. I, I love the conversation. I really appreciate it, George. Thanks so much for the time today. Thanks so much for the knowledge and the and just the the different lessons that you learned along the way that you taught us. No, Adam, I appreciate it. And I'm just listen. I'm just I think like one of many. You know, like this country was built on you know guys like me that just sort of had had an idea, had a you know somewhat of a dream, and you just didn't give up. And next thing you know, you know you're able to develop something, right? So it, it's kind of I'm always. And, and your, your podcast is amazing. So I, I appreciate that. And I'm a huge fan. The, um, some of the questions you ask, I mean, it just, there's top notch, right? So keep it up, you know, keep up the great work. So I do appreciate that as well. So thank you. I appreciate it. Have a great holiday with your, your team, your family, your friends. Appreciate the time. Likewise. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. Thanks. And thanks everyone for listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.